Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm Brandy. I'm Chris. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for Season 3, Episode 13, Part 1, Murder in Midlothian. A huge shout out to all of you that support the show each and every week. We just appreciate it so very much. If you want to help keep the wine, food, and the stories flowing, just go to our website, TexasWineAndTrueCrime.com. Click on that Kofi link and you can contribute right there. And of course, we give you your own little personal shout out on the show for being cool and just supporting us. So thank you, thank you this week to Valerie Nelson. Thank you, Valerie. For her just generous support for the show, Chris, and a big thank you to Casey Cavazos. Thank you, Casey. Julianne Gaudet. Thank you, Julianne. And Marisol Pesman. And thank you, Marisol. For your guys' continued support. So, so appreciated. So thank you, everyone, um, for just being so supportive. And of course, if you enjoy the show, please head over to Apple or wherever you listen to our show. Click those five stars. Say a few nice words because it only helps us grow. Um, all right. Well, uh, the crime we chose for this week, Chris, is the case of Missy Beavers. The wine for this week comes from our friends at Messina Hoff. We are sipping on Angel, which is a heavenly sweet Riesling. This is a sweet crisp dessert wine. Uh, Angel was named for its angelic sweetness and in honor of the angels that are carved in stone on the front wall of the Messina Hoff Winery in Bryan, Texas. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I like uh, the bottle. It's kind of kind of. Very cool design. Yeah, it does have a cool design. Um, and of course, hang out until the end with us. So you can hear our wine rating and review and learn more about our friends at Messina Hoff. All right, Chris, are you ready to get into this week's case murder in Midlothian? Yeah, let's do it. All right, friends, let's sip some wine and talk some crime. week, we are discussing the case of Missy Beavers out of Midlothian, Texas. As always, we are going to give you a few facts about the city where our crime takes place in. So here we go. Number one, Midlothian is known as the hub for the cement industry in North Texas. Chris, I do believe they call it the actually the cement capital of Texas. That is a new one. I didn't even know we had a cement capital here in Texas. Yes, uh, I do believe there are three large cement Companies in Midlothian. Uh, so, yes, cement capital of Texas. So if you're in the cement business, I guess you should be looking to move to Midlothian. Yes, you should. If you want to come to Texas, that is. That's true. That's the place to be. Number two, the last murder in Midlothian before Missy was killed took place in the late 80s. Very safe place to live. Very safe. Uh, in fact, one of our uh, listeners and friends that lives there, uh, I was speaking with her, and she told me that's actually why she chose to move to Midlothian, was because of how safe it was. Okay. And number three, a post office called Barker, probably after Charles Barker, was established in 1877, and then they changed the name to Midlothian in 1882, 1883-ish. Uh, so... They're actually saying most accounts agree that the name came from, um, a, was suggested by a Scottish train engineer after a location in his home country. And I did look it up and there is indeed a Midlothian, Scotland. Oh, okay. I thought it was always like halfway to Lothian or something like that. What? Midlothian. What oh. 
<laughs> You're so clever. Mm, yeah. So wits. <laughs> Such wits. Such wits. On Monday, April 18th, 2016, at 4.16 a.m., Missy Beavers pulls into the parking lot of Creekside Church and walks inside about four minutes later. Missy is there that morning to prepare for her 5 a.m. Camp Gladiator class, but she is not alone. Moments later, she is attacked and killed by a perpetrator waiting inside of the church. Two 911 calls are made at 5 a.m. when Missy is discovered. Was she a victim of circumstance or something more sinister? Okay, Chris, this is an open, very active case going on in Midlothian. There is so much to this case, so it will most likely be a three-part episode. Um, I was planning on trying to fit it in two, but I think it will most likely end up being three. There are two big things I want us to cover today. Um, and our listeners actually will be able to follow along with us on both the map of the church and also the surveillance video that was released to the public. So we're going to pull up both of these things. We're just going to watch them, talk about them. I, I did go and try to get into the building last week, and I did. Um, so I think it's important to get an idea of the building, where she was found, how she was found. And I and I think at least for me doing this research, it really helped me, um, not just going there, but but looking at this map and really now knowing where her body was found, where she went in the where she went in the door. Um, so I think it's good for us to maybe just kind of get a visual uh, today of maybe what Missy um, was going through and really just what she, you know, when she pulled up and when she walked in. And and again, the video of things we see, things we don't see. So we'll get into all of that um, here a bit later. But let's talk about Missy Beavers for a moment. So her real name is Terry Missy Beavers. Her real name um, is she, she goes by Missy, but her first name legally is Terry. She's 45 years old at the time of her death. She's a mother of three girls. She's married to her husband, Brandon Beavers. And by all accounts from research, uh, articles I read, interviews I watched, people loved her. She was a good mom. Um, no known enemies. She was engaging with friends and supportive and enthusiastic. I mean, people said she was just sort of this little thing that was just super bubbly and made people feel better. Um, Missy was a resident of Red Oak. So that's what it has said um, in any piece of article or anything that people have seen or read or heard. But I did get a hold of the Ellis County CSI report. We are going to go through this, most of that in part two. But it actually had her residence as Ovilla, Texas. So I do believe the zip code for Ovilla will come up Red Oak. But her actual residence was in Ovilla, Texas, which is like seven minutes apart from Red Oak, Chris. Pretty close. Pretty close. Okay, so being besides being a full-time mom, in 2013, she became a certified personal trainer. She was very big into fitness. Um, family and friends say she was very much about motivating and encouraging people to get fit. 
encouraging others to attend her camp gladiator class. Okay, so I think there might be some people listening who might not be familiar with camp gladiator. And I think it's kind of good just to get a visual of what this class is, who they were expecting that morning. So if you're not familiar with Camp Gladiator, it is a fitness class led by trainers that are directly associated with Camp Gladiator. So it's a national fitness movement, movement and they appear, you know, they, they hold classes in churches, parking lots, football fields, uh, parks. I mean, we know, Chris, they have some just down the street from where we are um, all over the different parks. So they're actually headquartered in Austin. So it's a Texas-based company. I have attended one of these classes myself. So I do understand the concept of the Camp Gladiator Boot Camp. And they're really big into motivating and encouraging, um, you know, just to lead a healthier lifestyle. But they also get paid, right? They get paid to lead these classes. And I do believe, and and now I could be wrong about this, and if you are a Camp Gladiator trainer, coach, um, you know, please correct me. But I do believe the more people that come to your class, they have like an app and you can check in. So you can say, hey, I'm at this park, working out with this group. And I do believe like the more people that check in to your class, um, you're able to make more money. So it's in their best benefit, you know, their big best interest just to be encouraging, get more people there. Um, And so that's what they do. Well, it's a group class, so it's not one-on-one training. So you have different people that will, you know, come. You probably may know a few, maybe you don't. A lot of them is just people that don't know each other. So um, yeah, so that's pretty much what Camp Gladiator is. So she basically ran these different classes for the women and men that were in the area. Um, so let's say, and one other thing I did, uh, found out about Camp Gladiator, Chris, is let's say that I'm in Austin or I'm in San Antonio and I want to go to a Camp Gladiator class because I'm out of town and I'm not at home where my normal class is. I can actually get on the app and find a class. So they make it pretty easy for people to, you know, get together, make it easy for you to work out when you want to type of thing. We held Camp Gladiator classes twice a week um, at the Midlothian Navarro College campus and three times a week at the Creekside Church. As we all know, when it comes to crimes and investigations, police want to know where and what the victim was doing in the 24 hours before their death. Now, we don't know if this has anything to do with the murder, Chris, but Missy attended a Camp Gladiator event in Austin the weekend she was killed. And I mean, she literally got home from the event that Sunday, and she was murdered Monday morning. That's pretty quick. That is pretty quick. She was posting pics of her weekend. She was um, happy about working, you know, working out with other like-minded trainers. Friends said she was excited to be a part of the convention. And I'm using the word convention since it was a Camp Gladiator held event with, you know, corporate trainers and people affiliated with the corporation. And if you've ever attended one of these, you know, any kind of, you know, just a convention or anything where people are like motivating you, you know, this is her passion. You get recharged. You're just ready to put all that energy from that weekend into your passion and business. But I always say, just like Joe Kenda, I do not believe in coincidences. So could this have something to do with her mourner, with her murder that morning? At the time of her murder, Missy and her husband, Brandon Beavers, have been together for about 20 years. 
Like I mentioned earlier, they had three daughters together. Brandon was out of town on a company-sponsored fishing trip in Biloxi when Missy was murdered. Chris, he gets a call at 5 a.m. from someone in the boot camp class, and that person tells him that something has happened to Missy and that she is no longer with them. Why did the police not call him? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if... Because I think they called him, but the police were actually still on their way. This this oh, is yes. at 5 a.m. That's true. So they went... And, and I thank goodness that person did because he was about to board a boat um, in Biloxi and he would have been... He would have had no network out in the water. So he wouldn't... He would have never got this call. So thankfully that person did um, did call him. So he packs up and he heads back to Texas. As I mentioned earlier, she um, posted different pictures of her weekend. She was very active on social media. She promoted her business. She was very involved in the community. She was just a normal, hardworking, passionate mom that loved her family, but was really into her business, just trying to make some extra money training and motivating. And why not do it with something you're passionate about? And this is what just gets me about this case is that any of us could have been her. And I, this is why I want this solved so badly, because she just was hardworking, a, a good mom, was trying to do just good things. And I always say, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I get that. I understand that. But just as a mom, a woman, I, I feel for her family, and, and I know they want this solved. So we, do, we want the same. Uh, the night before Missy was killed, she posted a message on her Facebook saying, quote, if it's raining, we're still training. Chris, in my personal opinion, and I want to say this because I think this is important. This is a podcast. We do this to bring light to cases. We do this because we want to see things solved. We do this because we love drinking Texas wine and like talking about true crime. But this is a very open case. And we are going to go through the video and through the map. And, and a lot of this, and I will say, will be our opinion, or we like to talk facts. So I, I just want to say that up front, because we are going to talk about the building and things that we notice in the video. And I, and I just want to put that out there that it's things that we notice. Okay, so I do believe, though, Chris, that message that she posted the night before her death, I just, in my gut, I feel that that was a trigger. A trigger? A trigger for the perp. A trigger to get it done. I, I'm almost convinced that person knew Brandon Beavers was gone. Yeah, true. I, I feel like it she was... She probably put it on social media because you know how you mm-hmm. ladies like to... Put your business up on social media. We do. Much more than men do. I don't think he was as active on social media. I, I did read that. She um, would post different things. And, but like you said, us women, you're right. We do yeah. We do post a lot of stuff. Yep. If you ever want to <laughs> be murdered, somebody will be able to find you too. So. <laughs> you always tell me that. You really? Do you have to? Can you not jinx me? Like well, Cover your tracks. <laughs> Okay, so she also sent this same message to her group of participants, letting them know the rain wasn't going to stop their workout and that the class would be moving to the inside of the church. 
So a source that I have from that area told me, Chris, that it rained for at least 10 hours that day, maybe even longer. It was very rainy. Um, starting, and they said basically the rain started kind of later in the night. We know it was raining when Missy when Missy um, got to the church that morning. So we know it was raining all throughout the morning. And this, I think, will also become important when we talk about um, the perpetrator on video. Okay, so let's start um, to talk about what happened in those early morning hours and start to put a timeline together after police come on the scene and start their investigation. I did mention there is an Ellis County CSI report that I used to get some information. This is public data. You can go and, and find it and look at it yourself. I will actually go through this report more um, in detail in part two, and I am actually um, happy to also put it onto our um, website so you can so people can take a look at it. But I do want to start with what the public knows about how that morning went down, and that is the video surveillance that police released just one day after Missy was killed. Um, and the map of the church. So if you want to follow along with us, I'm going to go ahead and pull up the video. And I just want us to kind of walk through this since now that I've been inside of this building, Chris, I feel like I can actually confidently speak on the on the map, on the video. I kind of know where they are in as far as like where they are in this church based on what I actually see in this video. So... Um, We'll pull up this video again again once we talk about theories and motive, which will most likely be in part two, maybe a little bit of part three. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pull up that video now. Chris, I know we have watched this thing over and over and over. And over. And over. And I feel like every time I watch it that I always pick up something different. We both have our opinion about who or... Um, yeah, who might be under there as far as whether it is a man or a woman. Remember, they came out and said they definitely thought it was a man. And then they came and said that they weren't sure um, and that it could be a female. So let's go ahead. I'm going to, if you guys want to go ahead and pull up the video. So I'm going to go ahead and start it now. So we are looking at, and when we look at the map, this will make a whole lot more sense, I think. And then I think when people look at this map, and then they correlate it with what they're seeing in this video. I think a lot of this will make sense. So I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start this video. And uh, turn that. There we go. All right. So pushing start. They are opening that first door. Notice it's unlocked. They don't break the glass. You can still see a shadow. So it doesn't look like they go all the way in. Okay, so now they're on door two, not unlocked. All right. Okay, so let's stop it here. Okay, the, this door is not unlocked, okay? they What we now know, or we're pretty sure of, is a hammer in the, in the perp's hand. It looks like what they're doing is they're taking... Chris, what do you call that side of the hammer, that one that takes out the nails? You call that the claw, Brandy. Okay. I think I knew that, but thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's look at this video. So we see that the door is locked, and it looks like the perpetrator in the in the picture of what I'm looking at is trying to jimmy it open with that side of the hammer. So that's the first thing that we notice in this. The next thing we notice after they realize it's unsuccessful, they pull out something that 
is black and long, which to me looks like a crowbar. We can agree looks on a that. Like a crowbar, yeah. That looks like a Stanley eighteen-inch uh, um, pry bar. Pry bar. Yeah, you're good. That's why I watch this video with you. And I also, I, there's a lot of things, honestly, guys. As a female, I was, I had lots of questions about with this video. So, and it, we didn't mention the tactical gear yet. Um, most people know that this this person is in their full head to toe tactical gear with the word police on the back of it. I don't see anything resembling any sort of rank or numbers, at least nothing that I can tell watching through this video, but full head to toe tactical gear and these tools. Okay. So this, this pry bar is a big deal. And so is the claw hammer for me. Here's why Chris and, and friends out there to me, this person doesn't look like they know how to use it. They don't look like they really know how to pry open a door. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Do you find that the, that the energy behind it is lacking a bit? It does have a little bit of uh, gusto behind the, the tugging and the pulling and the mm-hmm. pro, uh, crowbarring or pry barring. And another thing that I asked you was, in in the video, when I'm looking at this, if you if you pause it when they have the pry bar into the door, to me it looks like the pry bar is sitting on top of the doorknob, almost like they stuck it in the door and try to move it around. But then I asked you, wouldn't you put that near the lock to to pop the lock? You like, could. It's a it's a building though. They probably have metal door frames. It's not like being in a house where they're wooden. So who knows? So that was a big question for me because I would not know. I would have done this same thing. I would have stuck it in the door and tried to open it. But after watching this over and over, I thought, you know what? I don't know if that's actually right. And that's when I asked you. I don't know. It's very strange. Okay. So so there's the pry bar. So the, my first thing about this video is to me, they don't look like they know how to use the tools very well. So... Let's go ahead and keep playing. So we see them trying to jimmy it open with the pry bar. No luck. Stick it back in their clothing. And we are going now. Okay, let's stop it right here. So I think they know there's a camera in this still shot. To me, this person looks like they're looking up at it. I don't know. That That's... My theory is that they do know they're being videotaped, which, and we're not going to talk about motives, but if this was robbery, why do you have to get in, get in all that gear? And I mean, it, it, it seems a little excessive and you, you know, there's video cameras. So it's a little, it's a little strange to me, but I think it, at, I think they're looking at the camera in this shot. I feel like their face just kind of stays there a little too long. And now we're going to see them walk. Okay. So I want to stop it right here. They look to the left at this door and they're going to change the cameras. We're going to change. So we're going to get the back of the perp's head in just a second. But I want you to notice how they're looking to their left and not to their and not to the right. So here we go. They look to the left as though like they don't want to mess with that door. Here we go again. That's the same door. Okay. Look, look what's going on to the right. There is a door propped open. This 
this person never looks that way. And that just gets me. If you're there to rob, that door's propped open. You either don't know if someone's in there or you might want to close that. I don't think you're going to be comfortable roaming around trying to steal things if this door is open. But this person never looks in that direction. And that makes me think, Chris, because they knew that's the door she came in. Yes. And if they closed it, she wouldn't be able to get in. They never closed this door. I think that's a big that's a big thing for me. Again, we're talking about video. We're talking about opinion. In my opinion, they knew that's where she was going to come in. If they knew if they closed that door, she wouldn't be able to get in and the plan would be foiled. So let's keep playing. So the person is walking. I want to stop it right here. Chris, we talked about this with the body, the gate walk. We had conversation after conversation about the walk, the body type. And I want you to kind of give your opinion about the way this person looks in this tactical era. I just think based on their um, their shoulders, they don't look very masculine. They look more feminine, even in the uh, tactical gear. Their shoulders are a little more slumped. They don't seem to be muscular or anything like that, unless it's a very slight man. But that, to me, is what makes me... Um, you know, give the gives me the impression that it is a female and not a male, just based on kind of the shoulders too. It, what about an Bigger, older man, I, though? What about an older man who might be a little hunchback, who might be a little heavier in the front? Like I said, it would have to be a like a much slighter man because it just doesn't have the men typically have a walk about them. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so this particular person doesn't seem to have that sort of walk. You know, especially if you're going in there to, uh, you know, murder somebody. Um, I think you have a little bit more, you're pumped up. Um, you yeah. know, you're kind of uh, walking there a little, you know, chest out a little bit, ready for action. Yeah. And this person looks like they're just kind of fumbling through everything. I agree. I agree. Okay. So let's, um, let's keep going. So they're going to open the Dutch door, which is that double door right there. I want to stop it right here. The person opens the bottom door, but looks up as though confused on why the top of the door doesn't open. Chris, you told me you didn't think this was that big of a deal. And that if I opened a door, I would look up too and be like, that's weird. It didn't open. But as a mom and a parent, and Chris, I know you remember these doors. You would you would take our, our little one to preschool. But these are, by the way, this this is a preschool room. A lot of people have... Uh, have said that it might be the kitchen, not a kitchen. This is an actual preschool room. And the reason they have the double door is so they can leave the bottom closed, the top open, parents can wave, say goodbye, and the kids will not run out after them, right? That's why they have this door in a preschool. As a mom, I look at this and I think, I know what that door is. I know exactly what this door door does. I know why it's there. And, And I don't know if the confusion is just because I don't know. They they just they don't know. They've never had any children in preschool. They don't know. They just don't expect the door to not completely open. But but they do look confused. We we can agree on that, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd have a different opinion on why they look confused. Like I said, it's it would be weird to open the bottom of a what a door you think is a you know all one contiguous unit and then mm-hmm. just have one part of it open that might throw somebody off. I don't think it you have to be a mom or whatever just because you're a mom 
means you know exactly what type of door that is, but mm-hmm. it just might mean somebody that has zero uh, attachment to this church. That or zero attachment to the preschool of the church. Well, that too. And there's probably a lot of people there that have don't know what the preschool doors look yeah. like or do, especially during normal business hours. Those doors are probably open. They're not all closed. Right, exactly. And if we keep playing, I'm going to play it. So they open the top part and then they walk in, but you see the body never leaves the door frame. So it's almost like they peek in, see it's a classroom and walk out. Now we see them just kind of wandering down the hallway. And we're going to kind of talk about this on the map and where this actually is. And I think people will have a really good idea. So now we see them walking back up into the frame. Okay, I want to stop it right there. We talked about the light on the helmet. We now know there's a light on the helmet. So here's a couple of things that I had talked with you about, Chris, was we see, you have one of those. You have the, you have the flashlight with the, with the strap in the back, and it goes on your forehead when you're doing something right, hands-free. I thought it could have possibly been a GoPro camera. I'm not completely convinced it's not, but... As a woman, I don't own one of those. So if it is a woman, are we talking about someone who's more on the tomboy side? Yeah, it could be like Sporty Spice or something like that. Someone who knows about equipment. I would have never known to... I guess what I'm trying to say is the tactical gear, the the tools, the helmet, the way that... The, the cl- I mean, just everything, but with the flashlight, if it is a flashlight, right? Again, I don't own one of those. I don't know many women that actually own one of those. And I don't even know. You don't live in Midlothian. Maybe that's a common thing. You know, so it's a little bit more country. It is more country. And you're, you might be right. I just don't have one. I know you do. I feel like it's more of a male thing to own. But again, we don't know who all is involved in this, right? We don't know if there's more than one person involved. So they could have easily been dressed up by someone, right? And given direction and said, hey, you know, here's how to make it look like a robbery. Or if you don't want people to know you're of a certain gender, here's how we can throw them off that way. Yeah, so, and, for, and for the record, I don't own tactical gear with a uh, helmet with a flashlight. I don't know where you're No, you do from. not. No, you do not. But you. But I was talking about just the helmet, the light. I just was talking about the headlights. Yes, the hands-free light. Hands-free light, right. Okay, so let's go ahead and play it. And we're going to see this perpetrator come out of a hinged door. Took me a while until I realized what this actual room was. But um, that is, I'm going to call it room 10, because that is going to be the room number that we're going to look at it on the map. It's room 10. It's actually the biggest room in the building. And I do believe and know now that that was the room that she used for the class because it was it's the biggest room in the whole building. It makes the most sense. And um, that is where the perpetrator is coming out of is number 10. And I'm going to play it again or keep playing. So now we see them breaking the glass. I'm going to pause it here. Let's talk about that swing for a second because I look at this now in this in this frame that i'm looking at at the very at the very end of of what by the way this person is caught on tape i do believe for about 30 minutes 28 minutes 30 minutes um 
before she arrived. In the public, we get two minutes, what is this, two minutes and 10 seconds of a video. So guys, that's how much video the police do have that has not been released, probably with good reason. But this person is swinging at this glass. Okay, that looks like a pretty feminine swing to me. Yes, I agree. Very feminine. Not how a man would take a hammer back, I think. I think they stop at the shoulder and sort of, you know, like the whole like flip the wrist thing. That's what I see in this video. I just don't see a lot of oomph. Yeah, it's a very Nelly swing. A very Nelly swing. I agree. But we see the broken glass fall. And that's it. Okay. So I think I want to make sure I think we um, went through everything that we wanted to just kind of put out there as far as like the, the way the video is. By the way, we see the reflection of lights. So it looks like the church lights were actually on, or at least in the main hallway, which that is the main hallway. Once we look at the map, it will make a whole lot more sense. Um, and then again, we talked about the weapons, the way that the weapons were actually used trying to open these doors, just not looking very experienced on actually how to do it. And um, again, how the door, the preschool double door was open. So if this person did go to church there. I mean, honestly, Chris, in my opinion, this person knew this place, but not did not attend church there and did not have a child there in preschool. I'm going to go. I'm going to go that far as to say that I don't believe they spent a lot of time there. I think they knew the place because of her fitness classes. I would agree. I just I think they've been there and they know where she was going to be. But to kill some time, they wanted to kind of walk around and make it look like a robbery and just open some doors and nonchalantly walk around. So I think they were familiar enough with the building to be comfortable, but not so comfortable that they knew exactly what every room was. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a wide recess and a word from our sponsor. Chris, I'm so excited to share HelpYouFind.me with our listeners. This is something everyone should have for their safety because we know as true crime podcasters, time is of the essence in emergency situations. HelpYouFind.me is the secure way for women to share important information with their loved ones in the case of an emergency. Now, this product is not just made for women, but women just don't have the same channels to communicate that men do. While we are surrounded by technology such as cell phones and GPS devices, women often fear what might happen if those things get into the wrong hands. The Help You Find Me platform provides a safe, encrypted, easy-to-use way for women to communicate certain critical data with their loved ones. To put it simply, women can feel safe in the most unsafe of circumstances. As I've mentioned on prior episodes, the most unsafe place for a woman is her own home. You can feel safe knowing you have set up a personal file that can give police so much more in a short period of time rather than having to wait weeks to access that vital, important information um, if something was to happen to you. So in an emergency situation, every second that ticks by counts. So if someone you love goes missing, it's extremely important to track their recent activity for signs of where they may be. Every single person needs an If I Go Missing file. If you're traveling, you can upload important documents, pictures of your location, your flight details, anything important that people might need to access if, if, if something happens to you. Chris, 
Every parent that's sending their kids off to college this week needs this product. You can snag their most popular plan, which is one account with seven friend shares. Only $59 for the entire year. It's really a no-brainer gift for those kids that are headed off to school and leaving the nest. Parents, feel more at ease knowing you have gifted your child a safety blanket that we hope they never have to use. You can either click on the link in our show notes or type in the code TWTC and receive 15% off. Do you have an If I Go Missing file? If not, don't wait. Check out HelpYouFind.me today. Cheers. Cheers. So today we are drinking Messina Hoff Angel Heavenly Sweet Riesling Late Harvest. Um, Chris, you made some food, didn't you? I did. I did make a little food to go along with this. A little is an understatement. You went all out. It's It was delicious. Go ahead and tell everyone what you made. Well, I made a prosciutto-wrapped chicken breast um, with a lemon rosemary butter, kind of basting it in that. Um, I made a scallion and almond couscous, and then some chipotle... Um, Brussels sprouts, and then for dessert we had some roasted peaches that were topped with a almond um, cinnamon sugar kind of crumble. Yum! And then we served that with a little uh, vanilla ice cream. It was so delicious. Well, thank you. It's be- it was beautiful. The presentation. Uh, what did you think about it with the wine? We were kind of well, going back this, and forth this on this. Was, um, I wanted to go with a Riesling, and this was definitely a very, very sweet Riesling. I'm assuming since it says late harvest, that means that the sugar content of the grape must be a little, um, grapes are, I guess, maybe more ripe and a little um, little sweeter. So definitely a very sweet wine. Uh, I think it went great with the dessert. For the meal itself, probably was a little more sweet than I had initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. By no means does that mean that the wine is not any good. I like the wine a lot. Oh, yeah. I just think it's Maybe I would have gone with a little different pairing after kind of cracking open the wine because we did it kind of blindly. We just, I cooked the food and kind of did a little research and did cook the food. And, you know, it's typically how we do everything. Sometimes it works, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. And yeah. this was a particular pairing that might have not been my best pairing per se with the entree itself. However, I think the dessert it went, went well with. Oh, it went great with the dessert. Wait till you guys see these pictures. It was so good. I know you're going to be asked for the recipe. And I know we owe some people some recipes. We're we're working on getting them all together for we're you. We're working. We're working. <laughs> but uh, Chris, thank you. It was so good. And thank you, Messina Hoff. We are enjoying your Riesling. Okay, babe, you ready to get back to the case? Yes, let's get back to the case. All right, let's do it. I am going to go ahead and pull up the map. You can find... This map on our website, we um, posted the map for everyone to take a look at. So I've got it out now and I'm going to kind of go through this and I'm not going to explain every room. I am going to explain the hallways. I know where I came in when I went to this building. And now that I've had a chance to kind of look around, it makes a whole lot more sense um, now that I'm looking at this map. So I'm going to kind of tell you where her body was found based on the CSI report that I um, that I got. So this is from an actual report, but because of the limit, very limited footage released to the public, um, the only thing we really can do is just kind of make ins- assumptions on what happened after Missy saw or heard the perpetrator. 
Uh, like I mentioned earlier, two 911 calls are made just a little um, before five. Uh, Missy was found by one of her fitness class participants, and that person immediately called 911. So I want to go ahead and just stop right there, except I'm going to now pull up the map. Let's give everyone a chance to get it. Okay, cool. So let's start with where it says covered porch. So right down at the bottom, by the way, if you go, if you look to your left, it is basically telling all of the different, you know, just kind of giving you an idea of what was going on at the time in the building. So the covered porch is actually where Missy pulled in to the parking lot. So when you come off of 287, this is off, this church is off of a main highway. And I was driving on it during the day, but I look around and there's no, there's no lights. Like this is a main highway. It is probably super pitch black at night, especially that time of night in the middle of the night. Um, because we know the perp enters the building about 3.46 a.m. And we know Missy finally comes in and is caught on camera at 4.20. So a lot of time goes by um, that this perpetrator just walked around. So let's talk about this covered porch. Her car is found underneath the awning of this porch. Now, this porch is actually what you what you would go, like where she parks her car. You see the pink arrows if you look at to the left, that is Missy Beaver's on camera at 4.40. I'm sorry, at 4.20 a.m. So she has to go in. Those are those double doors, Chris, that are in the video. Those are the double doors that she has that she has to go through in order to get inside. So I'm sure that very first level of door, she had a key or she had a way to get in. I do believe that second part of the door was probably propped open for her because that would... It, that you would need an, another level of security to get through that. Either a but, call button or something. It's a very private door because if you look at room 21, that is the door that we see the perpetrator open, that double door that, that they looked confused about. This is a preschool. So that's why they have this double door so people can't just walk in, right? This is not the main entry of the church. We see the main entry on, on the west side. So... Stick with me. We're going to go through the covered porch. Her truck is found with a passenger door open. I don't want to get into much of her truck. I will do that with the CSI report. Her truck is pulled up under under the awning and her the passenger side door is open, which would make sense because she's getting all of her workout equipment. Remember, it's pouring down rain. So she pulls under there to get some of her stuff out and they she is seen on video going through these doors. That's all we've got, though. That's all we know. We don't have any footage that has been released of her in this building, but we do know she was caught on camera going through these doors. The little black arrows and the black dots, that is what we saw in the video. We see the perp try to go or, you know, open up door two, try to break open door one, doesn't work out, goes towards room 21 and 20, halfway down the halfway down the hallway, and then turns back around. Well, we know based on this video that or based on this map, this is not the only place the perpetrator was seen, uh, especially because we know there's like 28, 30 more minutes of video. 
But you will see like by nine and 10, which we will talk about, and seven and eight, there are movements picked up. Um, and this is what we see in the video, which is nine and 10. So we'll talk about we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, so we see um, the movements he's made. We see where she goes inside. So let's talk about room. Let's talk about room seven. So this is the kitchen delivery door. Um, and this is the way the perpetrator came in. Now, I'm just going to have my own theory about this. Okay, here's the deal, Chris. If she pulls into the parking lot, now we know that the person in the video does not look wet. They don't look drenched. I don't know if that tactical gear is wet. I can't tell in the video. But let's say for all intents and purposes that it's not. Let's say that they were able to get in by not getting very wet, which means they probably have their car or... I don't know, maybe an accomplice dropped them off, or if they're, we're, we're just going to assume it's one person at this point, that they have to somehow hide the car. You're not walking anywhere from this place. And we will talk about the sporting goods store. I know that's on, the, we also have talked about that surveillance, um, Chris. We'll get into that in part two, but we'll, we're just going to say it's one person, one car. Um, just as far as as our conversation today goes. So we know that they entered right there where that X is and that arrow, where it says kitchen delivery door perp entry. So that is how the perpetrator got in. But I want you to look to the right of number seven. And those X's mean that glass was actually broken or there was some damage to the building. And then we're going to go around here over to where these X's are. And... Notice that there is broken glass there too. Now, if if this person is entering through here and they park their car right here, let's just say they park it right up on the curb to just go in without getting with avoiding getting drenched or wet, Missy would have seen a car pull up. It, when she pulled into that parking lot, she would have seen this a car. She would have seen a car sitting right here. No doubt about it. She wouldn't have been able to miss it. She would have had her headlights on. It was raining. There would be no reason for her to pull in that parking lot with no headlights. She would have seen a car sitting right here. So now we see this X to the right of number seven. But then we see go down here to this porch. And we see two X's, broken glass here. I'm going to give you my opinion about this. I think for some reason... The perp went behind the building. This is basically behind the building. You can't see it from the freeway. There's nothing back there but a playground, a fence. It, but it, there's, it's the outside of the building. I think this is where the perpetrator was hiding their car. I think they tried to get into this door or something happened and they couldn't. So they walked around and then they busted this window trying to get in. And then they couldn't get in there. So then they came down here and then was successful breaking a glass and then opening a door. There's never been really an explanation of why this porch glass was broken. Not that I have found yet. But I do believe, and, and just, with, just with common sense, if I'm going to be breaking into a building, I'm not going to park my car to where it can be seen by anyone pulling into the parking lot. I would be parking in the back of the church so nobody can see my car. It's not, and no matter if I go out right or left, I'm going to be exiting the parking lot. 
I'm just going to say that is my opinion. Uh, I think there was something going on here that didn't work out. And I think he went over and tried to access the building a different way. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because room number 10 is what we now know where she held this fitness class. And you see the perp, you see this red square. That's a, that's a video camera, Chris. That's a video camera that's capturing the person in nine and 10. That hinged door that we see in the video, that's number 10. That's the perpetrator coming out of the fitness room or out of the room that the fitness class is going to take place in. Number nine is where we see them break the glass and then enter. Number nine, if you scroll down, you will have a table of contents on what room is what. Number nine is a storage area. So Chris, taking a look at this, and we know that the class was taking place here, number 10. We know the glass that was broken was number nine, which is a storage room. I believe they were waiting for her in there. Yeah, that's the most likely place. And I think that's why they try to come into the porch. I don't know what happened. I, I, again, I, I just don't know. I'm, in a, I'm trying to find why this glass would have been broken. If this person parked their car way on number seven or just so they could just go in and, and do what they need to do and get out, I just don't believe that there would have been any reason to break glass this way unless it was done from the inside. But again, why would you break the porch glass? I know it can be to throw someone off thinking yet you're coming in that way. This is why I feel like they knew where this class was going to be held. They knew what direction she would be coming from in the church. They knew she'd be coming in those double doors and have to make her way around the building and into that room. So, I just, it, it, I know it's just maddening because I want to know why these windows were broken, but I do have a feeling that it was because maybe that's exactly where they try to access the entry and could not. Maybe, maybe a camera spooked them. Maybe a, you know, maybe they couldn't get in. Maybe the door was locked a different way. I, I'm not sure, but I just feel like there was like some sort of circle made and that's how they ended up at the kitchen. I can't imagine they would have pulled in the parking lot and that would have been their first thing is to basically stop your car almost to where anyone that pulls directly in is going to see it. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. So let's talk about room nine, room 10. We know room 10 is where she was holding the class. We know nine um, is in the video with the glass breaking. We see the person sort of kind of not come on top of the foot a little bit, but I almost think they're reaching in Chris to let themselves in the, into the door. I think that's why they broke the glass because there is a door on the other side, um, which is an actual storage, but this is the church. So you'd have to go inside of the church to actually let yourself in um, door number nine, if that makes sense. Okay. So Missy's body based on the CSI report was found at the Northwest end of the building. And that would be this area right here. So to the left where it says main entry and porch, um, by that turquoise. So this is where the floor you see, it's kind of the diamond floor. Um, you'll see that in the video. That is the main hallway of the church and Missy's body was found somewhere uh, to the right of that turquoise, maybe in front of building three, possibly four, but we know the attack happened 
um, in this, we know at least her body was found in this vicinity, which tells me, Chris, that she took off running. I think that she was spooked. I think she either heard the person or they jumped out at her. I'm not sure. I don't want to talk about the podiatrist yet. I want to talk about that in, in number two. But I will tell you, when they were talking about his interview and they were interviewing him, I think it was even on like regular news, he said that he did not see the murder, but what he did see was very disturbing and he knew what it was about to come. And it was almost out of like a scary movie. So what do you think when you hear that? To me, I think like coming up behind them on camera. Yeah, or chasing them maybe through the hallways. Chasing them through the hallways. I think she took off running. I I think she would have come in right where that covered parking is. She would have gone to the right. She wouldn't have walked all the way around unless there was a reason for her to. I went down this hallway from 21 to 25 and then went up 13 to 10 up to that porch. So those are the hallways that I was accessing when I was at this building. They are very narrow. They are a lot more narrow than they look in this video. Um, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's a little dark. It's just this, I don't know the best word to describe. They're just narrow and a little dark. Not the best, not the best lighting, I would say, in, some, in, in the hallways. But um, so, so I do believe she would have come in, gone to the right, gone up to the left, and to put her stuff, um, to put her stuff in. When we talk about what they found near or around her truck um, in part two, I we know that she did not get out of the building the very first time. So she goes in and probably moments later she was attacked or she just started running for her life. And I think this porch to the main entry was probably her closest way out based on where she was. So that makes me think she either went through the left um. And, and around to the front. And then, I mean, again, it's just so hard to say. We don't have video of it. We don't know. Um, but the forensic podiatrist did say he did not watch the murder on tape. But what he did saw, he'll never, but what he did see, just he'll never forget. And that makes me feel like all of the murder was caught on tape. Because, Chris, look, we can see the perp walking room number one, room number two. Then we see this blue table sitting here, which is basically like across from where you would come into the main entry to the church. So with this camera that's sitting, you know, back over here where Missy walks in under the cover porch, it had to capture something. I can't imagine that it didn't. And there, these were all motion um, motion detected cameras. The cameras outside, unfortunately, were not in working order when this happened. They did have them out there, but they but they just they weren't working. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Again, you guys can take a look at the left side. It has everything that went on, um, just to kind of give you an idea of um, of you know where where the perpetrator was, what was going on around that time, but. I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but I feel like this person knows her class. I feel like they knew what room it was going to be taking place in. I think they knew she was going to be coming in through that door because if they didn't and they were there for something else, they would have definitely closed it because or you would definitely think someone's there. 
they didn't seem spooked at all that that door was open. And that is just so telling, in my opinion. I agree with everything you just said. It, it, it's just so telling. And, and when you look at this map, and you're like, okay, we know number 10 is now where she, where that perp was coming out of with the hinge door. We know the glass was broken on number nine. And it's like they just knew where she would be. So I'm just going to, I'm sure everyone knows this listening now. I do not think this was a random attack. I do not think this person was there just robbing a church. Now, could it have been thrown off since it is a Monday morning and church services happen on Sunday and there could be money there? Sure. But nothing was taken. Nothing. And if you're going to, again, rob a church, you're going to probably have a really good idea of where that money's kept. You're probably not going to want to spend a whole lot of time there. You're definitely not going to walk around for for 30 minutes in tactical gear, hitting, breaking glass. And it just doesn't make any sense. I, I know some people think it, she might have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is not my belief. My belief is that this person knows where this class is being being held. They know what door she's coming in. They know what time she's going to be there. They got there in plenty of time to make it look a little staged. Um, and I, I just don't believe it's random, Chris. I just don't. Okay, well, there were no cars um, seen in the parking lot besides Missy's. There was actually one report of a car. I'm not going to get into that because um, I'm going to do a little bit more research on it just before before I actually talk about it. Um, but I do, uh, again, the car was found, the description and the state of the vehicle. Uh, we're going to get all into that when we talk about the CSI report from Ellis County. There's a lot of it redacted. Uh, in this report. So we're going to talk about everything we can and we're going to put it on our website so you can you can take a look at it. We're probably going to pull this map up and the video in part two and part three just when we're covering um, motives and suspects. There was a list of suspects they did have and um, I think they called it a, the target list. I, thought, I believe that is what it was called. The Ellis County was the target list. Um, there were nine people listed. Uh, so she was driving an F-150 truck, as we mentioned. And so I want to kind of talk about my experience there driving down the freeway. So I'm driving down the freeway, headed to this church. And the first thing I'm thinking is nobody would be on foot out here. That was the first thing I thought. Nobody is going to cross this main highway, go somewhere else. It's just not in tactical gear this person in this video can barely, to me, this person can barely walk. And I don't want to talk so much about the gate. I'm sure you're thinking, why haven't I talked about the gate? I'm going to talk about that when I talk about um, more about the forensic podiatrist and just kind of what I think about the walk and what it could be. Um, I know everyone has their theories. We've heard prosthetic leg. We've heard broken ankle. Um, but we'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of talk about that. Um, for next time. But I think really the most important thing for us today was to give you an idea of what this building looks like, give you an idea of what and where we're seeing the perpetrator on video, and also really to get an idea of where she entered this building and where this person would have been. Um, and by the way, those doors that we see that are propped open, Chris, those are glass doors. So you can see who is on the other side of it. Like you wouldn't be able, you know what I mean? It's not like you would be, you would not know who was there. 
um, you can definitely um, you can definitely see that who who's actually um, through those doors. Um, okay, well, when police decide to release a cause of death, they say she died of a head wound, but then alters that a bit and says puncture wounds to the head and chest. It doesn't take a genius, Chris, to figure out that these tools were probably used in her murder, but something else was found at the scene. Something that was next to her body, but that information has never been officially released by police to the public. But we will discuss that piece of information, suspects and motive, in part two. Well, Chris, that concludes season three, episode 13, part one of the Midlothian murder. If you want to see pictures related to this case, you can find them on our Instagram, Facebook page, and also our website. All right. Are you ready to review the wine and cork it? Yes, I am. All right. So what do you think of it? I did like it. I thought it was very, very sweet. I thought it went great with the dessert. However, the entree, probably a little too sweet for that. I think it would be a delicious wine, though, with um, say some sweeter varieties, some some cheeses and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I, I certainly did enjoy it, though, and I thought it had a great flavor. I will give it four corks. Ooh, giving it four corks. I agree. It was good. Perfect for this hot Texas day. Yes. Uh, Messina Hoff, referred to as the first family of Texas wine, has earned its reputation as a leading producer of 100% Texas wine. They are one of the oldest wineries in the state, established in 1977. Their love for grapes and people has created a legacy for Messina Hoff. They have multiple locations for those traveling enthusiasts. Uh, thank you, Messina Hoff, for making great 100% Texas wine. We cannot wait to come and visit your places. Um, here at Texas Wine and True Crime. So thank you. But friends, go check out Messina Hoff and tell them your friends at Texas Wine and True Crime sent you. Okay, well, each week we highlight an organization that just inspires us to be givers and just better people in general. This week, Chris, we did choose an animal organization for our friends, the Greyhounds. Yes, we did. Do you want to talk about it or do you want me to? Sure, I can read about them for sure. Um, This week we are highlighting the Greyhound Adoption League of Texas. Uh, their cause is animal protection. They assist all greyhounds, primarily those that are retired or affiliated from the racing industry. They facilitate putting greyhounds into loving homes. They help the families understand what it means to take on this type of dog. And they also educate and support along the way to create a loving companionship. Uh, they opened their doors in 2001 and they have placed over 3,700 greyhounds since inception. Please check out our friends at Greyhound, Greyhound Adoption League of Texas. You can volunteer, adopt, or donate. Because money always helps. So go check out galtx.org. Yeah, they do some really cool things. And these greyhounds, they post the cutest pictures and they're like forever homes. It's so awesome. So all you animal lovers, go check out galtx.org. And, you know, just do what you can. Volunteer, adopt, donate. You never know. Could give a greyhound a great home. All right. Well, until next time, friends, stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time. Cheers.